Starting here on the top of Samach Berem and Aleph by the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Woman may not go out with a needle that has a hole in it. And not with a ring that has a seal or a signet in it. The Gemara will get to that later and explain that a choliar is a brooch that is used to hold the pieces of the shirt together or the baguette together. Why it's called a choliar is interesting. Some say that the Etymology of the word is from the cochlear. And the girsa of the oroch is actually cochlear or cochlear, which is the brooch is the shape of that part of the inner ear, the cochlear. Rashi in Yoma, when he defines what a bukhliar is, calls it a gul, a circle. He uses the same la'az term of nushka, which is a fastener or a brooch. And the oroch also brings a second interpretation, which is that it's a circle or a crown of some sort. I would just suggest that the possibility that it comes from the word collar and that it's a fasten to hold the collar together, to hold the begit together. Below bichovelet, you can see over here the gesot oroch is bichovelet. And that again, the Gemara will get to and explain that that is a bundle of spices. And not with a perfume bottle that has fragrance in it, perfume in it. As Rashi explains over here, Plaiton is balsama, balsam, oil. If she does wear these, Bimeir says that if you wear these things outside, they are considered to be a masui, and therefore you would be chayevet chatat. Chamim potrim, mim say patur avalasur, that is by the kovelet or the kochelet, depending on what the girsa is, ubtsochit shel paiton. In those two instances, they think that the items are not considered to be a masoi, but they are items that she will take off and show to her friends, and therefore the rabbanam goes there in that instance not to allow her to wear them. Amar ula vichilufehen biish. It's the opposite by a man. Now over here he's referencing the ring, which is the main thing or main difference that we've spoken about before. We saw in the previous Mishnah with regards to the ring, that a man wears a ring that has a chutam in it, and a woman wears a ring that does not have a chutam in it. So over here, she's wearing the ring, is a man's ring that the woman is wearing. And Ula is saying now just the opposite. If a man wears a ring without a signet or a seal in it, then he's also, as the Tosafot says, chayav chatat. That there is no such thing as Unisex jewelry. Anything that's good for the man, no chazilisha is not good for the woman. Things that are good as jewelry for the woman, no chazilish. Is that really true? That we have no overlap. The roim, the shepherds go out. The literal translation is sackcloth, the equivalent today of a poncho. They stick out a poncho to protect themselves from the rain. When they said that the roim go out, doesn't mean just roim or just shepherds. It means anybody. Let's say bisakim. It's just this is the usual wear of the roim. So it uses that example, but it doesn't mean that it's unique or ex- or exclusive to the shepherds. It means that anybody who wears such a poncho, such a sack, is considered to be fine. It's part of your clothing. Women are their own category. They're in their own world. Is that really true? Don't we have from the end of Masechet Eruvin, something that we touched on yesterday, which is Hamotzei Tfilin, person who finds Tfilin out in the field in Makom Bazui, and now he needs to do something. It's Shabbat, he can't carry them in. So what is he going to do? Machlisan Zug Zug. He can bring them in pair by pair. Pair by pair means that he'll wear them. Put on the Shalyad Shalrosh, bring it in. Take them off, go out and put on the Shalyad Shalrosh, bring them in. That's what we said yesterday, even according to the one who says that Shabbat is Lavzman Tfilin, who 
Nevertheless, there are times when it can be a malbush. This is the time where it's bibizayom, we let you bring it in. Echareish, vechareisha. A man or a woman can do this, can wear them in and bring them in. Viamart nashimam bifneatzmane, and if you say women are their own category, vaha mitzvata seishas man gramahu, tfilin, is a time-bound positive commandment which women are to road from. If women are to road, then it's not their mitzvah, it's not their mitzvah. How could they be wearing them in? How could it be that the tefillin are considered to be a malbush for them? Anything that's a positive, time-bound commandment, women are to wrote from. It says, Rabbi Meir holds, it's an unusual position. In order to make that a tefillin will not be a zman grama, says, Rabbi Meir says, Laila zman tefillin hu, vishabat zman tefillin hu. He holds that both nighttime is zman tefillin, as well as Shabbat, Shabbat and Yom Tov, would be Zman Tefillin. So Avalei Mitzvah say, Sholazlo Azman Grama. Now it's no longer a time-bound positive commandment, it's simply a positive commandment. Chol Mitzvah say, Sholo Azman Grama, Nashim Chayavot. Women would be Chayavot in it. It's an unusual position because, in general, most of the positions taken in the Tanaim and the Amoraim is that either Shabbat or Laila, one of the two is not Zman Tefillin. Over here you have an opinion suggesting that both are considered to be Zman Tefillin. And therefore it would be a mitzvah to say, Shalom Hazman Grama. That's the case, they're Chayavot, and then they are Shayachot Tetfilin. If they are Shayachot Tetfilin, then there's no problem here. Even if they are an Am Bifneatzman, it doesn't impact over here because they are part of this mitzvah, and therefore they can wear it in as a Malbush. Now the Gemara jumps back and asks about the ring. It's not really carrying. It's taking out the ring in an unusual manner. As Rashi says here, Anybody who takes out something that is not an adornment, a piece of jewelry, then you carry it. You don't wear it. If something's not a proper piece of jewelry for you, don't wear it, you carry it. Below derech malbush. If you were to take a, you know, a woman's bracelet and you had to bring it somewhere, you wouldn't wear the woman's bracelet, you'd carry the woman's bracelet. So the fact here that she is wearing the ring, that is, a man's ring, already is a hotzaak ha'achayad. She should have been carrying it in her hand if it wasn't ruiyah for her. The fact that she's wearing it already is an unusual way to carry it. We're dealing with a woman who is in a position of power. She is a treasurer of some sort, whether she's heading up the charity organization or some sort of treasury official, then she has to use a ring with a signet or a seal on it. And because of that, she does wear this. Now, you're going to have to split the din here, or bifurcate, because despite the fact that this woman is a gizbarit, nevertheless, in terms of Dinei Shabbat, it's still unusual for a woman to wear such a ring, and it'll be considered a masui for her to take that ring out. She will not be allowed to wear the ring. On the other hand, since she does use a ring during the week, because she's involved in this position, therefore her wearing the ring is not considered to be kilachayat. It's considered to be normal wear for her because for this woman, that's the way that she normally interacts with this ring. She doesn't carry it around. She actually wears it to move it back and forth. So because of that, she has a din now with a Gabay Shabbat, which will be more chamur, which is interesting. Because she is a souk with the signet and the seal during the week. So now she'll have a more stringent din than any other woman. Normally a woman who put the ring on and wore it out, that'd be kalachayat. That's not the normal way for her to carry it. It's not a normal ring for a woman to wear. And she'd be turah, in a sense, patura valasur midine dirabanan, because it's kalachayat. On the other hand, for this woman who does use a seal or a signet during the week, 
on Shabbat she remain a surah, but she'll be chayevet if she wears it out. She'll be chayevet a chatat because that's derech caring for her because she does take it out that way during the week. And so because it's a normal way for her to carry, it loses the shame kalachayat even though it's a surah for her on Shabbat. Not because it's her work. It's a sort of it's her work because women don't wear that type of ring. It's not where way women wear wings. But now the question is, when she wears it, is that a normal carrying or is that an unusual carrying? For most women, that'll be an unusual carrying. For this woman, it'll be a normal way to carry it. Amarovo, teratstoi isha. You solve the problem by the woman. Ish, maika the What are you going to do about the man? The man, it says if he wears a ring without a signet or a seal on it, he has a problem. He's chayav chatat. But again, he's wearing it. If he's wearing it, it's yad. How do you make it into a normal carrying? Sometimes the husband gives his wife his signet seal ring and tells her to take it and put it into the closet, into the chest to lock it up. So when she does that, when she takes it from him, she puts it under her finger and wears it to take it home so she doesn't lose it. And she places it on her finger until it reaches that chest. So because of that, it is normal for a woman to wear a ring with a signet and seal on it. Any woman. And therefore, now it's no longer kalachayad, even though women in general do not wear these rings, there are times when they do carry rings in that way. So sometimes the woman gives her ring to take it to the craftsman, to the artisan, to get it fixed or whatever needs to be done to it. Husband does the same thing. In order not to lose the ring, he puts the ring on his finger till he reaches the house of the craftsman. So in these cases, even though it's not normal for these individuals to wear these rings, and it would be considered carrying on Shabbat, it's not considered carrying kilachayad because there are times where they do put such rings on their fingers. My koliar, what is this koliar? Amarav, Amarabi mechavanta. Rashi says it's a nushka'a. Hashem she mechavenet v'kosheret pitchei fachalu. It's because it lines up and seals the opening of her garment, her shirt. Whatever it is, it clips it together. It's this brooch that we spoke about in the Mishnah. Kovelet or kochelet. Amarav, humrata defilon. It is a sack of incense, which is interesting over here, because Rashi translates pylon over here. He says, Kesha shakushubo sam, shishmo pylon. It's a, what we saw yesterday, Rashi called the kameya, is a kesher. It's a holding pouch or charm of some sort that you place something into. Since here you place this sam, whatever this potion or this incense is, it placed on top of it. It smells nice. Ubelaz, well, he calls it balsamo. In the mission, he called it balsama. Over here, he calls it balsamo. I don't know if he's talking about the same balsam. It's very possible over here, even though the word here is pylon and over there it's plytone. Or that he's talking about something else. There are others that translate the word plytone instead of balsam as spikenard oil. So I don't know if that might be the difference between them. But whatever it is, it's some sort of fragrant item that is placed in this kesher. A woman may not go out with this kovelet. And she does go out. And Yisur Doraita violated Divir Rabbi Meir. She should not go out with it. I mean, it's only Yisur Doraitavayi. She can go out with it without any problem. What's their machloket about? Rameir says simply, it's... Not jewelry. It's not an adornment. Therefore, it's a masu, your chayevet chatat. Rabbanan savri tachshitu. 
that it's jewelry. It's an item that you wear, but we're fearful of her dilma shalful mechavia. We're fearful of the fact that she might take it off and show it to her friends. And then she'll carry it. Who wears these items? It's the kovelet or the plaiton. It's lochicho plaiton. Who wears them? If she's a malodorous, if she is a woman who doesn't have a nice aroma to her, so therefore she wears them. A woman who has this problem is not going to show up. Listen, you know, I have this awful smell. You want to see what I did to take care of it? That's not something that you show off about. Not something that you're going to show to your friends. So you don't have to worry about her carrying our bone because it's not something that you show off about. It's not something that you're going to share with your friends. It's something you keep Private. Don't we have a brighter that says Rabbi Lezer Poter Bikovelet? Don't we have a brighter that says that Rabbi Lezer says Patur? Patur Aval Asur means it's Asur Midir Avanan, not Mutar. So when it says Lakasha, that's not a problem. Ha Kikaya Adrabi Meir. Ha Kikaya Adrabanan. It depends who he's arguing about, who he's placed in juxtaposition to. Kikaya Adrabi Meir. When he's placed up against Rabbi Meir, Damar Chayav Chatat, Amalei Patur. When it's Rabbi Meir versus Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Meir who says, Your Chayav Chatat, Rabbi Lezer says, Patur. Now, what's interesting here is why. We saw before, you remember in Tosafot mentioned this, that in Shas, they don't like to have Tanaim have opinions that diverge so greatly. That could be the explanation of it here, that you have Chayav Chatat and Patur, even though it means Mutar. There's a Tosafot back on Dav Gimel that says the way to read this is, Rabbi Elezer is speaking to Rabbi Meir and saying, look, you may not agree with me that it's mutar, but at least say that it's only an Isur de Rabbanan, it's not an Isur de Oraita. And that's why he says Patur over here, not because that's what he believes, but that's because he's trying to address Rabbi Meir. Kikaya Rabbanan, Damore Patur. When he speaks to the Rabbanan who say Patur, Avalasur, Amarihu Mutalachatkhila, then he addresses it and says Mutalachatkhila. So the first bright that we brought had the Rabbanan in it. So therefore his opinion is not so divergent then, because the other Rabbanan who say Patur Avalasur, in contrast to them, he says mutar. But if it's only in contrast to Rabbi Meir over there, he'll say patur avasur. Again, whether it's just a stylistic issue, which is they don't like to have the Tanaim be divergent, or whether he's speaking to Rabbi Meir, and it's not really his opinion, that is the reason why he says patur avasur in contrast to Rabbi Meir. Well, my Rabbi Meir, where do we have a brighta that contrasts Rabbi Meir with Rabbi Eliezer? The Tanya, lo shibiada. Woman may not go out with a key in her hand. She does so, and she's according to Rabbi Meir. is poter in these instances. He is poter with these items that we've mentioned before in our Mishnah. Where it says, Kovelet, Wait, they're arguing about nothing in this Brighton. You have the Tanakama speaking about a key, and then you have Rabbi Eliezer speaking about a Kovelet and a Tzlochit Shel Platon. What do they have to do with each other? It's missing words, the Brighton is missing words. Again, this is not so unusual in the Gemara, but it's also not something that's incredulous. Remember that Mishnayot were written down from being an oral tradition into a written tradition, but when they first wrote the Mishnayot, they were shorthand. They weren't made to be the full amount. They were supposed to be highlights for the person to remember how to memorize or how to make it into an oral law. So over here, Hasuri Mechser means that it's missing parts of the pieces here. And this is what it should have said. Continuation of the Tanakhama, Rabbi Meir, is not only she can she not go out with the key, she may also not go out with the Kovelet and Tzolchit Shel And Vim Yatsta, if she does go out, Chayevet Chatad, Divi Rabbi Meir. Then Rabbi Lezer Poter Bekovelet Ubitzlochit Shel Platon. 
So here's where we have a contrast between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Eliezer. When is that true? That's only when they have perfume or something aromatic in them. If there is nothing in there, then chayevet. Even Rabbi Eliezer agrees that she is chayevet. Wearing the perfume bottle or wearing the pouch or the holder is not considered to be decorative or jewelry. It's a masui when there is no fragrant item inside of it. It's a machloket later on in the Masechta. If you take out an item like food, food to be carried in general is is the minimum shoe or the minimum size of carrying a food that would make you chayav and Shabbat is the size of a fig. What happens if you carry out less than that size? If you carry out less than that size, you're not going to be chayav achatat because you're below the minimum shiur. It would be asur de rabbanan, but it would not be asur de raita. But then what happens if you carry it out in a bowl? You carry out less than a shiur of food inside of a bowl. Now the bowl meets the requirements, or is the minimum shiur, because it's a kli, that you're carrying out to be chayat for carrying. But the only reason you're carrying the bowl is to hold the food inside of it. Does the bowl become batel? Does it become nullified or irrelevant because it's not the primary object? So later on, the Gemara argues about this. If you carry out in a kli, in a utensil, food that is less than a shiur, are you pator or chayat? Do we focus on the food where you have less than a shiur? Even though the bowl is size of shiur, but it's batel, it is secondary. It's nullified to the food because it's only there to carry the food. And you would not be chayav. Or do we say, you're carrying out a kli? If you're carrying out a kli, you're chayav. So from Rebbeliezer's statement, we should be able to conclude that if you take out pachot shiur and a kli, you'd be chayav. Daha. Ain't babosim. When there is no perfume in there, kipachot mi shiur bekli dummy. It's the equivalent of having Less than a shiur and a kli. Bektani chayevet. And you're still chayav. Why is that? Here, the perfume is all gone. So how could he say it's the equivalent of carrying out pachot mikishur? The reason is because the, the purpose of perfume is to give off a fragrance. The fragrance is absorbed into the bottle or is absorbed into the pouch. So therefore, even if it's emptied of the entirety contents, it still has the smell, the fragrance that's there. So it's the equivalent of bringing out the food that is pachot mikishur, because the fragrance is still there. And over here you're saying you're chayav for the kli. So that would make us conclude in that other case, that if you carried out with a kli and less than a shear of food, that you'd be chayav for the kli. No, I can distinguish between the cases. Over there by the food, I'll say you're patur. Over here there's no tangible item. You can't say that something is subordinate to an intangible item. You can say that it's subordinate to a tangible item, to a pachad mikishior. But you can't say that it's subordinate to a fragrance. That we don't say, If it doesn't have any substance, tangibility to it, then you can't subordinate the glee to that intangible item. And so because of that, over here, Rabbi Lezer will say that when it's empty, you're chayav for carrying it out. Even though maybe over there, by the food, he will say, even though you take out pacha mikshur and a clay, you'd be patur. Now the Gemara is going to diverge into a long agarata, an agarata because it has something to do with the Plytone that we mentioned in our Mishnah, and the perfumes and aromas that we mentioned. Reshit Shmanim Imshachu. This is Sukim from Amos. Amos here is telling the people of Yerushalayim that they are pampered, full of all of the pleasures of life. And because they are so happy in their wealthy lifestyle, that they're not going to listen to the Navi, and they're not going to do tshuva, and they're not going to improve their ways. So here in describing 
all the things that these individuals do, these spoiled individuals do, describes Rishit Shmanim Imshafu. And they anoint themselves with the best of the oils. And what is the best of the oils? Zeplaiton. That is this Platon that we mentioned in our Mishnah, which is the balsam oil. Meitiv Rav Yosef, Af al Platon Gazar Rabbi Yehuda ben Bavo. Even on Platon, Rabbi Yehuda ben Bavo was Gozer Velo Hodulo, and the Chachamim didn't agree to him. This is a Tosefta at the end of Sotah. The end of Sotah, the Gemara there has Gzerot that were imposed after the Korban. That they didn't allow certain things to happen after the Korban because they considered it to be excessive, to be in it to be too, whether it's ostentatious or too much excitement and happiness. And so therefore they wanted to tone it down, Zechra the Korban. So in this Tosefta, it's mentioned that Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava was Gozer on this plate tone, on this balsam oil. No, never to use it. That would be in general. Some of the things were only nixar at times of weddings, or at times when it's really happy times. Others were nixar period, that they didn't use them at all. So this would be a suggestion not to use it. So the Lohodolo, the Chachamim, did not agree. V'yamart mishum ta'anug, what's being mentioned in Amos are not necessities or regular items. We're talking about things that are pleasures of life. These are things that are of the... Place of the wealthy. So my lohodulo, then why didn't the Chachamim agree? They agree that when it came to things that were tanug, that were simply pleasures, that they did eliminate as Wait a minute. There are other things written over there that were pleasures, including They drank from bowls of wine. What does that mean? They drank from bowls of wine? One says that they were bowls that had multiple spouts to them, or straws which they were able to drink out of. More than one person could drink out of them at the same time. Goblets made of glass that had these multiple spouts or straws to access them. They used to toss their goblets back and forth, these glass goblets back and forth. It was a form of performance and excitement when they used to throw them back and forth. So You want to suggest that those all should be asur because they mentioned those supreme over there? He went and attended a meal at the Exilarch's house. He drank out of one of these glass goblets that had multiple spouts or straws. And he didn't say anything. He didn't say there's a problem with it. So it's clear. These supreme are not defining for us what's wrong. Things that are pleasures. But not only are they pleasurable, but they have a certain amount of joy or rejoicing with them. That's where the Rabbanim goes there. Things that are simply pleasures. They don't involve a certain rejoicing. So the Rabbanim were not after pleasures. They were after a simcha. Because the problem of the Churban Yerushalayim is that a person can't have true simcha while there is a Churban of Yerushalayim. So the Rabbanim focused on items that bring simcha, not on things that bring tanug. So tanug by itself is not enough to force a It's only tanug that also includes a certain amount of simcha that would be problematic. So these items are simple pleasures, including the balsam oil and these mizrakei yayin. The Gemara continues, these are again from the Psukim there in Amos, talking about these pleasures, they lie on beds of marble, and they are stretched out on their couches. 
They used to urinate in front of their beds, arumim, naked. Now, as Rashi points out, why that is the case is because someone who is naked will not walk outside to use the outhouse. So where is he going to do? He's going to urinate right in front of his bed. So Megadif Ba Rabbi Abau, Rabbi Abau, first him, he said, Yochi, Anu Dichtiv. How are you going to explain the remaining Pasuk there? Which is, Lachain Atai Yiglu Barosh Golim. Now you're going to be the heads or the first that are going to go into exile. Because they urinate naked in front of their beds, they're going to be sent into Galut? That's not a quid pro quo. That's not the right punishment for someone who urinates naked in front of his bed. What does it mean that they were laying on, sleeping on beds of marble and stretched on the couches? These are people who are friends who ate and drank together. And they put their beds together. They switch their wives back and forth. And then they spoil, ruin, rot their beds with semen that is not theirs. So the Gemara, and it was doing this before, was playing on the word sruchim. The word sruchim, instead of being stretched out, they were learning it to mean saruach, which means to rot or be disgusting. So their first attempt at that was, is that someone who does behavior that is not considered to be acceptable, proper etiquette, he urinates in front of his bed. So then we had Rabbi Abba's question, which is, that doesn't make sense. Yes, it might be saruach, but it doesn't match with the psukim there that said that you're going to go to galut for that. So then he takes it and explains that it's got to be something that's much more evil, something that is much more inappropriate. And that is that the sriach or sriach over here is that they were exchanging their wives, they were doing things that were completely inappropriate. Amri Rabo, Rami Lobe Madnita, Rabo said, or some people say it was said in a brighter, Tana Gimudvarim Edim et Adam Lide Anyu. The three things that bring a person to poverty. Rashi quotes over here from the Gemara Navi Psachim, which says that Sarad Anyuta, the minister of poverty, Navil Shemei. His name is Navio. Vohev makom mius. And he loves things that are disgusting. So if you create a disgusting environment, he's at home there. So that's being described here in the bright door, things that are disgusting. And that brings about an youth because it brings this minister of poverty. Pelein. Hamashtin maim mifnimitoto. Arum. Someone who urinates in front of his bed naked. Umezalzel binitilatidayim. He's not careful with washing his hands. And his wife curses him to his face. Now the Umar is going to go through each of these. Someone who urinates in front of his bed naked. It's only if he urinates towards the bed. If he urinates outward, that's not so bad because the arc of the urine will take it far away from the bed and it won't be so disgusting. And even if he turns his face towards his bed, Nami Lamran Ella Laara, if he urinates on the ground. If he does it into a urinal, then we don't worry about it. So again, it's the question of the disgust or that is created here. It's done into a urinal and it can be disposed of, it'll be removed afterwards. If you urinate away from the bed, it's not going to be that you're going to walk into that or step in that when you wake up. So therefore it's also not considered to be so disgusting. What's that? That's only if he doesn't wash his hands at all. If he washes them partly, then we don't worry about it. That's not true. When I wash my hands, I take a whole fistful, I take a whole thing of water. And therefore, I received in exchange present or goodness from God in that way. 
I mean, the more generous you are with the water that you wash your hands, the more generous God will be towards you. So the opposite will be true. If you're miserly about the water, then so too, Hashem will give you in a miserly way. And his wife curses him to his face. To do with her jewelry. That he has the ability to pay for it, and he doesn't do it. We're not expecting someone who can't afford to pay for jewelry for his wife, then he doesn't give it to her that he's in the wrong. It's if he has the ability to pay for it and he doesn't do it, then we consider that to be unacceptable. And the wife is, quote-unquote, justified, cursing him to his face, and that will lead to aniyut. What's interesting here is that you have, I think, items that are mentioned here, these three items that deal with a character trait of miserliness, that a person here is unwilling to expend or be generous in these areas. And what the Brighta is saying, or the Gemara is saying over here is that even if maybe it's a good midah in some places to be miserly, there are places where it's not. And that is, it can't come at the expense of Natila Tzitaim, it can't come at the expense of whether that's hygiene, or whether that's the halacha of Natila Tzitaim. And it cannot come at the expense of your wife. Shalom Bayit, or for the woman, that she shouldn't be denied the jewelry and items that would make her happy because of your inability to spend or expend on her. Again, it's only when he has the ability to do it. And the same thing with Mashtim Lifnei Tato, it's here someone who can't be bothered to make the extra effort or to go outside to urinate, does it right there, is not considerate of the etiquette or the proper hygiene, then again, that's something that's considered inappropriate and leads to anyut. So that's why I think that the Bright that brings these together, it's a, a character trait that's being improperly used in areas that it should not be exercised. Darash Rava Braid Ravilai, Maidichtiv. What is meant by the Psukim in Yishayahu? These Psukim are brought in the Paragimel in Yishayahu. They're describing the people of Yerushalayim. And then God says that these people, in the end, they have everything good now, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to them. This is the evil, this is what's going to befall them. Vayom Hashem, Yan ki gavu Zion. Because the daughters of Zion were haughty. What does it mean they were haughty? Shayu mehochot bekomas kufa. They used to walk around with their noses up. With their heads raised high, standing tall. And they used to walk with their necks outstretched. They used to walk with their heel to their toe. Rashi says that it was a practical issue. Because when you have your head held up high and you're looking up, you can't see where you're walking. So you have to walk much slower. Therefore you walk with your heel to your toe. The Gemara in Avodah Zarah in describing the daughter of Rabbi Hanina, says that, why was she punished? It says over there that she used to walk, she used to walk with her heel to her toe. What's the problem with that? It was a way of attracting attention. That when you walked in a very slow manner, in order to attract the attention of others. And even though this girl, which is described in her verse, was very tsanua, she flaunted her tsniut by walking in such a manner, in a tsanua manner, in order to attract attention. So, in accomplishing the letter of the law, she broke the spirit of the law. Which is that walking in a way like this is tsanua. But on the other hand, it defeats the spirit of the law because it attracts more attention to the way that you're walking, you're moving slowly. And therefore, being tsanua in that manner really defeats the purpose of being tsanua. Umisakrot enayim. And they have wanton eyes. Dava malan kuchlan enayu umiramzan. They used to put on eye shadow, eye makeup on their eyes, and they used to wink at the men, the boys. Haloch vitafof. They would go and they were mincing. 
They used to walk a tall woman next to a short woman. Rashi says that's because the word tafof comes the word to float. And since they used to look like when you had a very tall woman next to a short woman, it looked like she was floating above. Made her look more beautiful or tall. Ubraglehem, tiakasno, in there actually it's braglehem with the mem. And with feet they, they were tinkling. Tiakasno is that they were tinkling. They used to put on myrrh and balsam binalehem in their shoes. And they would walk around the marketplaces of Israel. When they got to a young man or someone that was attractive who was married, they used to hit the ground with their shoe. And it used to squeeze out some of this perfume, this fragrance. And it then got into the, the man and was like a snake's venom when he's angry. So either because is that when the snake is angry, that's when the venom is produced. Or because the koos is the name of the snake that we're talking about over here. Or keres bikos is that it made the person, like when a person gets angry, they got out of control. So to over here, the venom, the smell made the guys lose control. So my puranutehem. So this is what they were doing. This is what they were doing wrong. Now what's their punishments? Kedarish Rabbi Barula. That's the next, the subsequent psukim in that parak. Which are, Vaya Tachat Bosem. Instead of the fragrance, Mak Iya. There will be a stench. Makom Shayumit Basmot, Bo Nasen Nimakim Nimakim. So the place where they used to put on their perfumes will now be made into decaying sores. Tachat Chagura Nikfa. And in the place of the girdle will be ropes. Makom Shayu Chagurot Bitzil Tzul. Nase Nikafim Nikafim. Place where they used to put around the belts or the girders will become all bruised. Tachat Maase Mikshe Korcha. The place of where you have well set hair, Korcha will be bald now. Makom Shayu Mitkashot Bal. Places where they used to adorn themselves. Nase Krachim Krachim became bald and empty. Tachat Pitigil Mechagoret Sak. And in place of the fine dresses, they will now wear sackcloth. The Gemara Dachshins in that Ptachim, from the word Pitigil, they use it as an acronym for Ptachim Avinli Degila. The openings that bring to rejoicing, will now become covered in sackcloth. What they're speaking about is the private parts of the woman that bring her to that joy will now be surrounded or covered in sackcloth. Ki, Tachat Yofi. Ki is, there'll be branding instead of beauty. Shufra Kiba. What replaces beauty is ulcers. Visipach, you can see here that it's spelled with a sin and not a samach in the Navi. Sipach Hashem kakod b'notzion. Hashem will cause scabs to be on the foreheads of the daughters of Zion. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina, Malamit, Shepracha b'hen Sarat. That they broke out in leprosy. Ktivacha v'sipach, with a sin. Ktivhotam l'seitu l'sapachat, with a samach. That's why whoever, when they wrote into the Gemara, they read it with a samach as well. L'sapet l'sapachat, which are types of leprosy. And therefore they draw the parallel between the sapachat and the sipach that they will be scabbing or leprosy tzarat that comes to them. Vashem paten yare. And Hashem, their secret parts, he will lay bare. Ravu That they were spilled like a pitcher. So that's when the word yare, they're playing on the word yare. Irui means pour. So they were poured out like pitchers. Means that either the blood will be spilled, they'll be killed. Or as Rashi says over here, that their menstruation will last much longer. And that that area then grew much more pubic hair. 
to yar. The play on the word yare again now is from the word yar, like a forest. They were vulgar people. A person will say to his friend, What did you eat today? With kneaded bread or unneeded bread. With white wine, oh, or dark wine. On a wide couch, or on a narrow couch. With a good friend, oh, or a bad friend. All of these were euphemisms for licentiousness. I meant here, was the woman a tula? Or a bi'ula? Was she a virgin or was she not? Was she light or dark? What was the nature of this woman? Is she large woman or is she a skinny woman? Is she a good-looking woman or was she not a good-looking woman? But they're all euphemisms about znut, and that was the vulgarity of the Anche Yushalayim. Amar Achlam Rabbi Yehuda, Atzei Yushalayim Shel Kinamon Ayu. Trees of Yushalayim used to be cinnamon trees. Ubishash Ayu Mesikin Mayan, and when they used to light the fires or the pyres from them, the smell rose and the fragrance was throughout the Eretz Yisrael. And when Yerushalayim was destroyed, once that happened, there was only a barley seed worth left. And you can find them. So Rashi translates it as a makom. It's a place. Others say that it's in the storehouses of the queen, where she keeps her valuables. That's where they have some of this left. But it's a rarity and it's no longer left, obviously the idea that Yerushalayim was the center of Eretz Yisrael, and from it, everything came out, both spiritually and physically, that's the idea that when they burnt the cinnamon there, that the fragrance spread throughout the country, and then once Yerushalayim is destroyed, that's not left, that that spirituality, that part of the Shekhinah being shored there, and that being the place from where everything emanates, was diminished, because it was destroyed, and Hashem's abode was destroyed. Okay, we'll stop over here.